This is a medical and mental health disclaimer. Everything that is produced by the multidimensional journey, including podcasts, posts, information that's posted via Facebook, Instagram, any type of social media is all for informational uh, intended purposes only. It is never to give advice or diagnose or to replace um, any professional medical or mental health treatment. If you have any questions regarding this disclaimer, please contact me directly via the podcast. I would uh, be more than happy to answer your questions and thank you. This is a disclaimer that ayahuasca contains DMT which in the United States is a Schedule II drug. This is an illegal substance. It is important to remember that, yes, there is a Religious and Freedom Restoration Act that is present and can potentially protect individuals that are utilizing ayahuasca. However, on paper, legally, in black and white, DMT is in fact illegal. So it's important that you know this and realize it. And if you're deciding to utilize ayahuasca in the United States, this is very important to consider and also realize. If you would like additional information about ayahuasca and ayahuasca lawsuits in the United States, please look up the Ayahuasca Defense Fund. everyone and welcome back to the multi-dimensional journey this is your host ayahuasca car and crazy full moon right ton of energy ton of purging right it's just it's been it's been nice to ease into sunday and just like feel the lightness of going into these next i don't know it's a full moon every right every month. So it will happen again very soon here now, won't it? Um, so today we're talking about the three costs of emotional suppression. And of course we know there's more than three, but I kind of picked three intuitively that I felt like that needed to be discussed. And this was inspired by listening to Dr. Gabor Matei, um, and he is a international author, speaker, spent a lot of his time as a doctor helping people with opiate addiction in Canada. And from that, he really found out that through really taking the time to talk to his patients, it's not the you know, the presenting issue, that's the problem. It's when you start interviewing the person and start talking to them, you really figure out their story and their pain. And he's really been an advocate for kind of discussing a deeper dialogue around a symptom-driven model. 
And we are very much in a symptom-driven model here in the West. And I definitely see that changing. It's um, pretty amazing what's happening right now. It's a little fluffy. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, there's so many exciting things happening right now in the West, Um, especially in the world of psychedelics. There's just been this surge of information um, and liberty, you know, a lot of legal hands being removed and it's fun. It's exciting. And as if you listen to my last podcast about harm reduction, um, it's also scary and unknown waters. And there's a lot of, um, there's, there's a lot of work that we need to do for sure. Right. And luckily there's a lot of us for the work to be done. And, um, getting back to Dr. Gabor Mate, Matei, um, one of my, one of his favorite quotes, um, from him, uh, one of my favorite quotes is not why the addiction, why the pain, not why the addiction, why the pain. And another one of my favorite quotes that really just ties into that is that in childhood, we will compromise our authenticity to preserve attachment we will compromise our authenticity to preserve attachment. So we'll slowly begin, in other words, we'll slowly begin to tuck away our true selves so I can preserve the parental relationship, whoever's taking care of me for survival. And then oftentimes, uh, oftentimes this is carried on into adulthood uh, subconsciously. Until, you know, you awaken in some way and you start to do the inner work. So, um, with that in mind, so some three costs of emotional suppression. So basically, you know, let's first look at emotional suppression. So, um, some forms of it are like, you know, really compromising who you are as a, a person for the life you're living. Um... Constantly, um, you know, they call it codependency. Pete Walker calls it fawning. But, um, and so in a way, like you give up your, your preferences or you're just being as a human, as, a um, as a ticket into a relationship. And this happens subconsciously sometimes. So it's hard to identify, but you know, the more you read, the more you listen to Dr. Gabriel Mate, the more you read about Pete Walker, the more you read about John Bradshaw, um, you quickly see that how all these things are learned in traumatized childhood development. And then they, they will continue to show up or light up. Um, I heard one of my friends today say in interpersonal neurobiology. What? Interpersonal neurobiology. And this is basically like when we're in an interpersonal dynamic, you know, when we're interacting with another human, what happens in our biology? Do we shut down? Do we freeze up? Do we run away? Do we get angry? Or, you know, can we feel those experiences inside of us and make different decisions, right? So that's a whole different experience than coming from the first one that I just said, which is very reactive. So I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but just bear with me. So emotional suppression um, is anytime, yeah, so that's one way, codependency, fawning, 
So I'm compromising myself for you. That's emotional suppression. My emotional needs, they don't matter. Your needs emotional matter. Um, you know, when someone upsets us and we're too afraid to tell them because we anticipate backlash, P. Walker talks about this. Um, I don't want to bother them with my emotions. Oh, that doesn't matter. And oftentimes we get into this, you know, detrimental cycle of thinking our needs are petty or they're not worth bringing up. When in all reality, they are, but we're subconsciously telling ourselves a story. And I like, you know, when I was first starting my own recovery and getting familiar with this process, I did really small experiments. Like I didn't take large risks, large vulnerability risks in the beginning. You know, I'm talking like the barista, the barista messed up my coffee or didn't do it the way I wanted it to. So in the past, I would just be like, oh, it's not worth it. I don't want to bother her. But now, you know, I can speak up, make my need known, and get what I want. Let's say that again. Speak up, make my need known, and get what I want. And now let's realize that the third one won't always happen getting what we want but I would say for the most part we learn some sort of healthy compromise within the interpersonal dynamic and the interpersonal dynamic can be you know anything in this case it's a barista but um it can be your sister your brother your mom your dad if you feel safe talking to those people or it can just be people in your community and your 12-step program it can be even with your therapist your counselor, your coach, your minister, a group leader, a mentor, whatever it is, right? And um, so this is um, another way that emotional suppression occurs. So anytime we have like a thought or something that, you know, we want to, and this happens especially, I love how John Bradshaw says this, the late John Bradshaw um, in the most significant relationships, will these things, these interpersonal triggers, will, will they come up the most? And we'll notice them the most because that's when attachment is designed, right? Is it comes into play. And so if you're a person who has a lot of romantic trouble having romantic partnerships or has a lot of trouble having, you know, just friendships or just can't seem to connect with people, you know, this could be something that's happening. So let's get into the cost of it. So, so number one, when we suppress, when we emotionally suppress ourselves, what is actually happening is we're suppressing the true self the authentic self and we're presenting so we're suppressing the true self the authentic self and then we end up presenting a false self or inauthentic self and basically you end up feeling like you're wearing a mask all the time and you feel fraudulent and you don't really feel like you know you feel split um it's a very uncomfortable feeling to be in this way And 
And there's a huge cost that comes with this. You know, um, constantly wearing a mask in the world is exhausting. Um, you're susceptible to anxiety, depression, um, definitely some sort of internalized shame happening, which by the way, I couldn't believe the post I saw this morning on maps that was sponsored by chakruna.net about psychedelic therapy, helping internalize shame. It was like, we are definitely like coming to a new head with things. And if you don't know anything about shame or internalized shame, I recommend the book, John Bradshaw, healing the shame that binds you. It probably goes every, it goes over every scenario in which internalized shame can show up and it's on audible. It's on Kindle, you know, and it's, I still go back to that all the time. And anyway, so the cost of this is that you're not living your life. You're living this. I used to call it last year when I was just coming, you know, coming into terms with more and more. Um, every year is a, a more uh, awakening, more consciousness, more recovery, more everything. And I called it my tic-tac-toe life because it was based on fear. And it's because I had so much shame around my own recovery. You know, it took me such a long time to stop playing into the family denial system that it's actually been passed down ancestrally and intergenerationally. My father's from Iran and my mom grew up on a small farm in New York and both of them grew up um, in very cold, non-emotional homes. And so what does that happen to the family after? Cold, (laughs) non-affectionate, non-emotional homes. And so we have to understand that, you know, these, these, um, these emotional suppression survival traits. My dad grew up under the Shah and then, which is a fear-based Muslim regime. Okay. Not a good time to be expressing who you are, right? You're not allowed to, or you might die. Um, and my mom, um, from what I gather from her, from her family, a very distant and cold mother. And I'm sure a lot of trauma, um, based on her presenting mental illness that she's carried most of her life, um, which is very sad. And, um, so, you know, we don't just don't wake up with a false self or an inauthentic self. I mean, this is learned, this is trained and it's calculated in the most subconscious way. And, you know, I think it's really important that when we're considering plant medicines or when we're considering things like ayahuasca, it's really important to know what is your false self. It's really important to have this down and to know to some extent we all have a false self. It comes up in awkward situations or people we don't feel safe around or when we feel triggered, you know, it's, it's, a, it's actually a protector in a way. So we got to, we have to be able to see the false self 
and the inauthentic self as, you know, a positive aspect. However, the thing to keep in mind is like, who's in front? Who's running the show most of the time? That's the biggest thing. That's the biggest key factor right here. Because to think that none of us are ever going to show up, you know, in an unhuman way or, excuse me, in a human way, you know, which means, you know, we all lose it. We all lose it from time to time, whatever that means, right? We get angry, we get frustrated, you know, we get triggered, we freeze up. It's like to think that's never going to happen is what Pete Walker calls the salvation fantasy. And which also can be shame driven, right? No one can see me unless I'm perfect. And so it's all about coming into balance with the false self and the inauthentic self. And it's all about being aware of it, you know, and befriending it, showing it self-compassion, and then allowing yourself to discover and unfold in another way. So there's definitely, there's definitely steps to be taken with that, which I have some solutions at the end of this podcast. Um, but if you know, you know, if the false self is constantly being presented because you feel like you need to put up this act and it's fucking exhausting. So, um, and oftentimes too, like the false self doesn't really take a back seat until you've done your work. And what I mean by that is, you know, you've done some form of, you know, deep trauma work that's evidence-based. And what I mean by that is, you know, doing EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy, um, somatic therapy, somatic experiencing. And these are known evidence-based mind-body therapies, you know, by a psychotherapist who has a background in you know, family of origin and all this stuff. Um, I, I totally believe in this, you know, and I think sometimes therapists or psychologists, you know, they get as a community, they get a bad rep. And I think it really comes from that one negative experience you had. And I think it's important to realize it's like, um, you know, therapists are human too. And it's definitely okay to find the right one. So keep that in mind. Um, so that is, that's a huge cost in the end. You know, if you go 20 plus years of your life feeling like you're a phony and you're riddled with toxic shame, it's, it's painful. Very painful. Very, very painful. And, um... A really good book, if you're more interested in this, um, is Pete Walker's CPTSD, uh, Surviving to Thriving. That's also another really good book. And of course, Brene Brown, any freaking video on Brene Brown, um, who's done, you know, years and years of this research. And, um, so yeah. And of course this brings us to the number two, this is the cost of emotional suppression, which is not feeling connected not feeling connected to yourself, not feeling connected to others, feeling isolated, feeling disillusioned from this reality, feeling alienated. Um, cause you're just not connecting on that authentic level. Um, it's sometimes it's even hard to stay present when you're not able to connect on an authentic level and you're continuously presenting the false self. Cause it's like, 
It's shame-based. And when you're shame-based, you know, you're almost in a constant traumatized mode. Meaning, you know, in the in the fight, flight, freeze, fawn system. And um, and of course, all of this is on a spectrum and not everyone experiences that way. But um, so not feeling connected. Um, so then less likely to, you know, create a close group of friends, right? Because you, you kind of are constantly feeling ab- abandoned in a way on like a really subconscious level. And so that makes you more susceptible to your pain body. Meaning like, you know, if you're in your fight, flight, fight, flight, freeze, fawn system all the time and, and you're feeling abandoned, you're in your pain body, you're triggered, you know? And so if you don't have space to just observe that for what it is and put language to that, then that will continue to be your experience. So the goal is, is to change your present experience of your past experiences, Change your present experience of your past experiences. You don't want to just not consider your past because that's not helpful (laughs) at all, right? You actually want to dig into it and you want to take a yin-yang approach. That is, you know, that is the, um, in my opinion, but also a lot of people's opinions is like, we need to coexist, not externally, but internally as well. Um, so, and then number three, the costs are kind of what I said before, which kind of just wraps it up, um, which is the symptoms, depression, anxiety, feeling isolated. Um, you know, just ending up with a slew of not just mental health symptoms, but also, as Dr. Gaber May, he talks about immunity, medical. And I have to align with Mr. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Matei when he says he notices a lot of people with trauma have autoimmune disorders. And I've noticed this over and over again. I've sat with every, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, but I help a lot of people. And I've sat with a lot of people who have trauma and kid you not, more often than not, an autoimmune disorders on board and um you know and and so it's basically like eventually this will manifest somehow some way um you know in in 12 step they call it hitting rock bottom in psychology i don't know what they call it <laughs> but it's like somehow some way um or the false self, you know, I guess that's what they call it in psychology. So, um, so some solutions to think about is number one and understanding yourself, not just what you're going to do today and what groceries you're going to buy. No, no, you know, it's not about that. It's like, what's your experience when you're buying groceries How do you feel? How triggered are you by the man standing next to you on aisle B5? When someone makes eye contact with you as you're shut, you get what I'm saying? Like, how are you showing up to that experience? Because it's not just anxiety. It's not just depression. It's much deeper than that. So where did you, you know, where did you develop your 
deep sense of not feeling safe around others? Where did you develop your, your hypervigilance from? Um, you know, we just don't, I think it's really important for us as a humanity to realize no one just wakes up feeling like shit, right? That's a fucking lie. We can't tell ourselves that lie and no one will wake up being like, today's the day I choose happiness. You know, it's all relative. I understand that. Like, obviously we can choose happiness, but, um, it's like, you can't choose happiness when you don't understand what's happening though. It's, it's this conundrum. So you have to understand what's happening internally. So you as a human on a soul level can get an understanding of what's happening to you, to you, to you, because everyone's different, right? So you got to find language to these things. Um, and so some books that I've already recommended, I'll just say again, John Bradshaw, Healing the Shame That Binds You, Pete Walker's CPTSD, Surviving the Throwing, also Pete Walker's The Tale of Feeling Fully. Um, he talks about how grief and joy are very connected. There's, an, there's another spiritual author, I forget his name, but definitely talks about how grief and joy are the are the the same two sides of the same coin um so and how you can do this is just by you know um well hold let me back up so and another program i recommend if you have any sense that you grew up in a dysfunctional home you know, and that includes if there was ever addiction present, if anyone ever had undiagnosed mental illness, diagnosed mental illness, emotional unavailability, um, you know, triangulation, you know, your parents split. I mean, somebody has, everyone has something, you know, and, and if you, if you continue to play the game that my childhood was great, then we're not going to get anywhere. You know, it's like, well, everyone's childhood was great. Look at all the children. They're all great. <laughs> you know, it's like we have to take it. For, and it's not it's not like a judgment. It's in it's a blameless examination. You know, if, if you look at it from an ancestral standpoint, you know, look at all the pain that our past generations have had to endure socially. It's fucking nuts. The Holocaust, you got to be kidding me. So it's like, we have to look at that. So if we're willing to look at history and how much pain people endured, then you have to be able to take that same energy into the family of origin. Because the family of origin is not just carrying the social problems, but they're carrying the familial problems and also the inter-familial problems. And so... Once we get this, you're like, oh yeah, I'm a workaholic because my dad was a workaholic or I don't like to sit in one space and just sit with myself because I was never taught to, you know, it's like we begin to just wake up to these programs that we think we don't know anything about, but they've actually been shown to us at one point. They're just, you know, the memories deep inside of us. It's been shown at some point. And then it's all about being like, ah, it's those epiphanies that really help somebody come into, come out of hiding, come out of denial, come out of emotional suppression. Um, And then begin to connect the dots 
have a voice and have a, an empowering narrative, which means I know my shit and I can definitely do something about it, right? So that's the whole point. You know, it's like you don't need all the answers today. Start somewhere and um, just begin to be curious about psychology or, you know, just understanding your internal world. And from there, everything shifts. It really does. Um, your experience in your life shift. And, you, and I think it's really important to realize is like your wounds are your, your wisdom. Your wounds are your wisdom. It's like what is going to set you free in this life. It's so a part of your highest potential and you have to tap into it. You know, if we don't look at our history, our narrative, we will fucking be walking this earth clueless. So you have to be willing to go deep with yourself, especially when it comes to emotional suppression. It requires you to do the opposite, which is digging it up. (laughs) So I've enjoyed this podcast very much. Uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful evening. Call in, let me know your comments, concerns, or questions, and I I will see you guys next time. This is your host, Ayahuasca Carr with the multi-dimensional journey. Thank you.